1: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Football. Energy drinks. Beer. More football.
3: Welcome to Bink at Night. And welcome to Bink at Night, Jay Binkley, Chris Tenpenny, a.k.a. Dimes, here with you for another... Hour and a half, leading you straight up until Josh Vernier. Vern's on deck show. Game two in Arizona against the Diamondbacks. And I don't know what to say, Penny man. I don't know what to say. I told you Saturday night I was at my wits end after a performance by Keller. And then Sunday was like, hold my beer. We'll lose a six-run game after the eighth inning and for the first time ever at home. And then last night. Last night, smashing the ball. Witt gets a leadoff home run. Second all-time with the Royals, Is two behind Gordon. Three home runs from the Royals in the first inning, including the future, Bobby Witt Jr. Three home runs. The Diamondbacks had two in the first inning. He's like, oh, man, it's going to be a crazy night. Didn't they lose the game 9-5? And I told you before I was walking out, so watch them lose this game. Because I'm not a pessimist either. I'm a Royals fan. I'm sitting here wearing a Royals hat. We said, watch them lose this game. Just the way things are going. And then what happened? Then what happened?
4: They lost like they always do. And that's when it starts. When the optimists become the pessimists, that's when the season really starts to turn. And bink, you being a pessimist last night. I blame
3: you. You know what I was? I blame you. I was because I just want to see things happen with this team. It's frustrating. How was Vern last night? How did Vern hurt? I tried to stay away. I stayed away for like five minutes of it. I had it on still. But I just went to sleep. Not because of Vern, because I was just tired. But, yeah, I was kind of pissed about it as well. And I don't know why. I don't know why I feel that way, but uh, put it this way, uh, Tenpenny. They've blown leads of four-plus runs in back-to-back games for the first time since 2008 in back-to-back games. Royals offense last night, 16 hard-hit balls, second most this season. So they were hitting the ball hard. I'm done with the hard hit ball stat. You Man, know who
4: has uh, a low hard hit ball percentage for the most part? As who? far Benny. Oh, yeah, yeah. He yeah. doesn't hit the ball hard, but he knows how to place the dang ball, and that's where this team needs right now is guys that can get on base, not that can hit it hard for outs.
3: My favorite thing is hard hit outs It's my favorite uh, saying. 13 left on base. Season high. Royals now 13 and 15 all time against the Diamondbacks. 7 and 3, though, all time versus the D backs at Chase. So they do play well there. Last night being not a good example, but 6 and 12 at Kaufman against the Diamondbacks. So Royals 13 and 15 all time against the D backs. That would have been dead at 500 last night had they been able uh, to win that game. I still can't believe you forced them to
4: lose that game last night.
3: I didn't force them to lose the game. I said, watch what happens if they lose this game. And I just didn't think it was possible. Yeah, We have three home runs. I was like, okay, the sticks are out tonight. Sticks are out tonight. Three home runs in the first game. They're pissed. They're pissed about what happened to them this weekend. They're going out here to do some damage. And then tonight, here's the thing. It's Heasley versus Zach Gallon tonight. All right. It does not look good for the Royals on paper. It doesn't. Heasley against Zach Gallon. Zach Gallon, by the way, the pitcher for the Diamondbacks, 3 0 this season with a 1 1 4. He's good. 39 strikeouts and 39 innings. He's good. He's given up eight walks, though, but Zach Gallon's off to a great year. But you know what, you know what always happens is, and I'll never forget Denny Matthews saying this a couple years ago. With baseball, expect the unexpected. Like this is the night the Royals in the skid when they're facing good pitching, because it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all why they would beat Zach Gallen, but watch them do it. I hope you're right. I, I
4: can't sit here all night and watch them if you're wrong, or at least not competitive. So, base, like you said, baseball's weird. Maybe, maybe they'll hit three home runs again tonight in the first inning.
3: Well, you'll be here all night. Yeah. You know what? I just soon one, two, keep doing it throughout the game, consistency. Not like right in the beginning, and not do a damn thing afterwards. You know, something like that first couple innings, get it, keep going for the Kansas City Royals. But, man, has these last couple games, I mean, you, you can't think of worse stretch. not a worse stretch since 2008. I mean, you're looking at, it, what, 14 years ago? It's been that long since the stretch of these games where they've blown four-run leads in back-to-back games. I can't think of any more frustrating time to be a Kansas City Royals fan right now and seeing that.
4: And it's, you know, May 24th, too. It's just as it's like we've got so we had 120 more games of this.
3: But these streaks just keep continuing. I mean, these these losing streaks for the Kansas City Royals. And, you know, I know Denny Matthews is on the Carrington earlier. I'll play it later. But you don't want to have two two losses like this. Like these were turn into nine and ten losses as you go throughout the year, because that's about as disheartening as you can be having those kind of losses. I mean, losing by one run is tough. That's always tough. But if you were in the game and there was just a mistake, but when you're, when you're dropping those leads, I bet six blown six run or two, six run leads blown last two weeks. They did win that one in Colorado lost to one this week, but the five game losing streak right now, the longest uh, losing streak in the American league. Meanwhile, Minnesota sitting there with 26 wins. The Royals sitting there with 14 wins. And the Twins couldn't hit when they first came to Kauffman. Remember, it was the worst hitting team in baseball. Then they resurrected themselves, turned things around, and now they're five games ahead of the Chicago White Sox, who now have climbed back over 500. Big thanks to beating the Yankees and sweeping them in a the doubleheader this past weekend. But you're going to get pitched. You had Keller and Grinky; Those are your stoppers, man. Those are supposedly your stoppers. And Brady Singer has turned into what you would say is a stopper in his last two performances, but it didn't work out Sunday. That's the most frustrating thing. When you have pitchers going out there that you can trust, now, again, small sample size with Brady. But the way he's pitching now, you trust him. Brad Keller, you trust him at this point. Zach Grinky, you're spotting him that kind of lead. You trust him. Like they, nobody else in this rotation, I would have liked, you know, out there maybe Brad Keller the way he's playing than Zach Grinky by getting that early lead for the Royals and having three home runs in the first. Not many I would have rather had, but it's just apathy sets in at some point. But at least this happened in Arizona not here. It happened in Arizona late at night. Because I I can't imagine doing this to the fine people going to Coffin Stadium back-to-back nights. There's still people watching for some reason, too. Up four to nothing in the first. Zach Greinke's on the mound. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it whatsoever. Well, yesterday, Vern was on with Fesco in the morning. And this was his solution to everything.
0: sadly i hate saying this but I, I i think the answer i i say gut it uh, but I, you're, you're not really gutting it um but but trade everyone or, or be willing to trade just about everyone that's above the age of 25 it, are you talking salvi as, too well yeah go try to but he's in year one of a four-year 82 million dollar deal and he's yeah. on the il uh good luck moving that contract and, and and even if you were able to move that contract, because you're unloading so much money, you would get peanuts in return. And then the kind of PR that you would have to turn around and do in your city for trading away number 13. Uh, no, I, I I don't see a Salvador uh, Perez trade coming anytime soon. Uh, but Andrew Benatendi, Hunter Dozier, Merrifield, Brad Keller, Scott Barlow, Michael A. Taylor, uh, those seven names uh, should be on the block. And it, and it sounds drastic, but you look at the foundation that, that J.J., uh, Dayton, John Sherman, that they'll be able to build on moving forward. It, it's its not too shabby. Honestly, it's better than where they were to start uh, 2018 or 2019. You're going to have a rotation with a 25-year-old uh, Daniel Lynch, 25-year-old Brady Singer, two guys that you believe could be, um, you know, maybe not number ones, but number two and number three in a championship rotation, and then an offense built around Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez, Vinny Pasquantino, uh, Kyle Isbell. It's a pretty solid foundation. You got middle of the lineup bats, and you got top of the rotation arms. Um, it, it sounds drastic when I when I say gut it, but but I th- th- there's no reason with savvy trades. Um, there's no reason why you can't turn it around quick.
3: Yeah, and you can't turn things around as fast as football. We know that you can't just turn things around on a dime like football. Football, you can't. Exhibit A: the Bengals last year. They go to the Super Bowl the year before, they had four wins. They turn around. We see examples of this in football all the time. Baseball, you just can't turn things around. Or you can have a series of MVPs like Mike Trout and Shoei Otani playing on a team, but the Angels pee down their leg every time it gets to the postseason. Yes, baseball is a game of failure. Again, even if you fail seven out of ten times, you're hitting 300. That's good, but it still means you're failing seven out of ten times. Tough game you got to learn the breaks. Brady Singer got sent back to Omaha this year, came back. You know, it is a game of failure. How do you handle it? How do you handle it? That's the thing with Bobby Wood Jr. That's the great thing about him now in five home runs. You know, he saw that failure early on, but it's about turning around and going. And the best success are the guys that are able to turn things around. And I remember going around the Royals clubhouse, talking to players, talking to Ned Yost, you know, about, about hitters when other teams start to do their scouting on them, watch tape on them, film on them, and when they notice a change, I remember Lorenzo Cain saying, well, it took about 50 at-bats before they started adjusting to me. And you remember when he came up, tearing the cover off the ball. He came up against the Red Sox in a doubleheader. Then teams started to adjust to him a little bit. Kind of went through a little valley, and then, boom, he responded, and everything's been the same since. I know he's having a bad year this year, but he was able to turn himself around. Some guys can't. Some guys end up like Brett Eibner and get released and try to become pitchers years later. That's what happens. But yeah, it's a game of failure, but the Royals are supposed to be better at this than this point. And speaking of that, J.J. Piccolo, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, is on Cody and Gold today and talked about the trade deadline. When you might see Pascantino and Prado. He lets us all know next.
2: This is Bink at Night, on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
1: There's joy in every journey.
3: Welcome back to Big and I G Binkley, Christopher Tenpenny, Colin, in with Christopher Tenpenny tonight. Gentlemen, it's raining outside today. But it has not stopped. At least not one of those driving rainstorms where you can't see. We've had those quite a bit. It seems like I had more than those than just rain. It's always been that driving rain, 50-mile-an-hour winds. You can't see anything. You know what I'm talking about. Driven home in a few of those. It's no fun. No fun at all. But yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, just just positive, just rain, just rain coming down. J.J. Piccolo, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals, joined Cody and Gold today. Joins him just about every single week and was asked a question this is what the front office thinks about the forty game mark. If they had, if they had to readjust their goals, this is what JJ had to say.
5: Yeah, I think we've we've always got to look at that. Uh, certainly, the the first forty games have not gone the way we anticipated. So, uh, you know, there's there's some young guys that, that are on the field a little bit more than they were earlier in this year. We'll continue to look at that uh, and other players, but um, you know, we, we just have to. We have to keep grinding it out. There's something to be said for winning games, and you want to put the team in the best position to win. Um, you know, we because just because we have young players on the field uh, doesn't doesn't mean that we're necessarily in, in a rebuild. But we are we are young. You know, we are young, and we have to recognize where we are. Uh, as I said last week, when we were on the show with each other, you know, right now I think if there's some saving grace. Our division, you know, the Twins are playing really well and the other teams aren't. You know, so, you know, we want players coming to the field with the intention to win a game every night. You know, development's part of it, but, I, you know, we really believe that development really happens, you know, from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock prior to the game. And then the game competition needs to be part of development as well, and that that also includes winning. So we want to keep our eyes on trying to win games. Uh, and put the best team out there that we can.
3: So those, there's uh, JJ's thoughts on the forty game mark and what he sees. Have Denny Matthews thoughts on that later on in the show. But what about the possibility of trades? Are they already discussing those?
5: Well, yeah, I mean we we do. I mean that's that's nonstop though. That's uh, I don't think it's necessarily. A, uh, may 15th, uh, uh, May 30th, or necessarily a July 31st thing. Um, you know, you're keeping an eye on what clubs are doing, injuries that they suffer, where we may have fits. That's the main focus of our pro department. Uh, our R&D department does a great job keeping us informed on what they think may be happening with other clubs. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of trades being made prior to the trading deadline, but once in a while you do. And, um, you know, if there's an opportunity for us to get better, then we'll, we'll jump on it. But right now, that, that hasn't presented itself. But we'll keep working at it, looking at it, and uh, see where it takes us.
3: Yeah, things will get hot and heavy. You always notice with the press box, you'll see a lot of teams in there watching certain players. Different situations, you start to see that. But the Royals do have certain guys that obviously will be traded. Ben attendee, not exactly sure what you're going to get from him, although he needs to be traded. Because it's going to be a rental player, a hired gun for the rest of the year. I think Zach Greinke would be the same way, but he is a guy that I think can help team win down the stretch. Now, Brad Keller's a a different situation because if you do something with Brad Keller, the one thing is you need pitching. And he's not household pitching because he was a Rule 5 pickup for the Kansas City Royals. But if you do move Brad Keller, I understand that's a piece that people want, but then you're kind of back, you know, looking for a starter in this rotation as well. But... Brad Keller, do you extend him or do you move him? JJ Picola on the dilemma.
5: Uh, we haven't talked extension with Brad directly. You know, internally we do have those discussions. You know, what's the best route for us? You know, Brad's having a great year. There's going to be interest in him. Uh, we also have a need for starting pitching. You know, so it's it's that balance of is this the right time? Is he the right person? Do we need him long term? Uh, and there are things we'll have to determine you know, as we get closer to the deadline. Uh, what direction we're going to go.
3: That's one thing. I mean, if he can stay consistent, because last year wasn't consistent, but he went on a stretch of 26 straight games where he gave up runs. And he started this year where he wasn't. But again, how good will he be? And if all of a sudden the trade deadline's hot for Brad Keller and you don't move him, then all of a sudden he goes in the tank the rest of the season when you maybe could have got something. But again, you got to replace that in the rotation. What direction? Now, if boobich is ready to go, if Daniel Lynch continues to develop, Brady Singer's developing, you know, then pretty soon you have Alec Marsh up here eventually, Jonathan Bolin up here eventually. You could part with that, but the bad thing is you got to be able to pitch to win. And right now, Brad Keller's a winning player. That That's the only part that bothers me with the Keller thing. I, that's why... I almost would trade anything and everything except for Bobby Witt Jr. and MJ Melendez. But Brad Keller's one of those guys, I don't know if I would, because you do need starting pitching. You gotta have that. Yeah, I'd keep Brad too. Just because even when he
4: was bad last year, he was still getting you deep into games. Like I mean, that has a value to it when you don't see these workout h- horses like you do with Brad Keller anymore, where you normally can have an inning or two that may be poor. He goes another four or five somehow and at least saves your bullpen
3: that night. Those guys are valuable. Like, you've got to have guys like that. Like, 100%, you've got to have guys like that in the rotation. Because hitting, yeah, they've been hitting the ball well lately, but everybody's coming back on them. So maybe you say, well, okay, the bullpen needs work. Well, you know, maybe some of these guys like Coar and stuff like that can eventually come down and help out this bullpen. But to me, you need that horse like a Brad Keller who, quote, is a stopper, although stuff hasn't been stopped lately. Because starting pitchers have been there doing their job except for Grinky last night, but then they're losing games. Like they had no business losing that game with Brady Singer the other day. No business at all losing that game when Brady Singer went out and had a great game. He was asked this question as well, and I thought it was a good question. Two years ago, where did you think you'd be right now?
5: Well, I think we looked at this year a lot like, you know, Going from 2012 into 2013, where you want to be more competitive, you want to win games, you want you want to be in some sort of race, you want to be in a, in a you know, whether it's a wild card or the divisional title. Um, so, you know, we, we still view it that way. You know, we have to make strides as, a, as an organization. We have to make strides with individual players to put ourselves in a position to compete at a higher level. Um, so we still look at it like we're in more so in, in that phase, somewhere between 12 and 13. Uh, we still have guys that are going to be on this major league team that are in the minor leagues. So I think 2013, just about everybody that was going to be part of a, a championship type of run uh, was already up. Uh, you know, Maybe with the exception of Jordano Ventura, I think maybe he came up, you know, later in 13, uh, but but the guys that were on the field you know, in 14 and 15 were all on the field in 13, and we're just not quite there yet. There's some guys that we feel need more time in the minor leagues. We're going to give them that time, and uh, once we get them all on the field, I think it, it'll you know, more closely resemble to what it did in, at the end of 2013 and then headed into 14.
3: I thought they were going to take steps this year. I really did. Now, you always take spring training numbers with a grain of salt but they were knocking the cover off. They were not pitching extremely well, but they were knocking the cover off the ball. The only team in all of minor league baseball to hit over 300. It's including Arizona and Florida. Highest slugging percentage, highest on base percentage. It's like, okay, I like the potential of how this team hits. They have to be able to pitch. Yeah, that part kind of let uh, let people down. JJ addresses when is the right time to uh, for a player because he called it last week. He called the gap never larger between AAA pros, double A AA to AAA. When is the time right to grab a player and put him up, and then we'll get to the Pascantino and Prado.
5: Yeah, it, it, it's always been difficult because you just don't know how a player is going to respond when they when they get to the major leagues. Uh, but for whatever reason right now, you know, it, it's become even more challenging. Uh, we don't think the, you know, essentially what's happening is the veteran player, the 32 to 35-year-old player that may be in AAA that still can help a major league team for a month or so, there's, there's fewer players like that. So the young hitters don't face the veteran pitching that you would typically see in AAA and vice versa. You know, so there's that, that gap is greater. Uh, but then you you look at a situation like an MJ Melendez, you know, the story is far from Britain, but MJ was not swinging the bat particularly well, but because he's on the roster, you know, we do believe in him as a, as a player, you know, because of an injury, MJ gets a chance to come up and MJ is competing really well. So, you know, that's why it's really difficult uh, to try to figure out exactly when a player is ready uh, to, you know, to, to compete in the major leagues at, at a good enough level, that they're not defeated and they lose
3: confidence seeing that's the hope too. Cause MJ Melendez was at 167 in Omaha. He's been a better player up here. Like that's the only thing you can hope for is that guys like that get up here. Cause they're going to have to help. I mean, it's, it's time for the youth movement. And at some point, if you're going to lose the games, just understand you're going to lose the games, develop them. So you're ready to go next year. I hate to keep prolonging this, but they do need development at the pro level and not minor league development. He was asked about uh, Vinny Pascantino and Nick Prado when we might see him in Kansas City.
5: Yeah, I mean we're gonna we're gonna eye this year at some point, but we do have to feel confident that they're completely ready for it. You know, Nick is on the roster, so he's less complicated than than Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, we certainly wouldn't let the roster situation you know dictate whether Vinny comes up or or not but you know with with Nick being on the roster it, it is a little bit easier transactionally uh, they're both they're both playing well they're different types of hitters uh, Nick's going Nick's going to provide some slug and maybe a few more homers you know there are some things we still feel like he needs to improve on you know Vinny is more of a you know, he's unbelievable with his, his strikeouts to walk ratio, especially considering how big of a guy he is. He tends to use the whole field really, really well. Um, so there's there's a lot of good things that he's doing. You know, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, this is his first year in AAA and he only had half a year in AA. Um, so, and then going back and you know, piecing together what we just talked about a few minutes ago, you know, the level of competition. So trying to balance – those evaluations is a little bit tricky, uh, but they are two guys that we expect to help our club, you know, in, in the near future. We just don't have a you know a date, a target date that we want them up this date or that date. We just let it play out.
3: So there you go, Pescatino and Prado. I'd rather see them sooner than later. Pescatino's killing it. Prado, decent numbers, strikes out a little bit too much, like we said. But again, what are we talking about? Is it better than Santana? That's what you have to ask yourself. The glove is. Like the glove is. Unless you think Hunter Dozier gets more time at first base, which could be a Carlos Santana answer, according to Denny that we'll hear in just a little bit. But the NFL spring meetings are this weekend, and they've already been talking. Roger Goodell had a press conference even today. But one of the topics is getting rid of the Pro Bowl. Will they actually do it, or is it all talk? Next.
2: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals Baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash/recommend today.
6: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line
1: is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch.
6: You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medella is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crownland Port, Chicago, Illinois.
3: Good night, Jay Binkley. Christopher Tenpenny producing the operation. Do you like the Pro Bowl Tenpenny? Of course not. <laughs> of course you don't. Nobody likes it. It's gotten more and more embarrassing every year. And it's funny is because when people watch it, you know, they hit the Twitter and say, oh my God, there's no tackling in this game. Well, that's the way it's been for years. I mean, that's the way 100% it's been for years. It's just the entertainment value watching it. I mean, the game's terrible. The game is terrible because guys don't want to get hurt. Well, the thing about it is 6.7 million viewers watched the game last year. Put this into perspective. 6.77 million watched game two of the Mavs Warrior series on Friday. 6.7 watched a uh, scrimmage, but it shows how much we like football and how much we enjoy it. Now, Ian Rampaport, had some um, ideas and a report on maybe some alternatives for the Pro Bowl. Ian Ramport, NFL Network.
1: Everybody really likes the skills challenge, Uh, and, I mean, so do I. I think it's, like, really fun to watch. So we might see some of that. I think a seven-on-seven is possible. Better question for me is, like, what are the linemen going to do? I mentioned, not that anyone cares about my opinion, I mentioned just micing them up and having them, like, sit there, maybe having a water uh, in a cup and just, commenting on the 7-on-7 seven seven game, that would be fun. Um, Or dodgeball. Could you dodgeball with the
3: linemen? Kickball? Now, do you think that would be fun, linemen sitting around with a cup of water and analyzing the 7-on-7 seven seven game? Hell no.
4: You don't like the biggest and scariest men in football just sitting down and watching other people play?
3: You with don't like the, with, that? With their bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> no, if they were tanked, it would be fun. Seriously. If you just gave him, you know, a couple coolers and let him smash beers, that might be entertaining. I can get down with that. Yeah. I mean, bring Barkley over and let him do it, you know? Talk about the game with them. We also need a,
4: I just think, just do a seven-on-seven seven fat man flag football.
3: I'd rather see seven-on-seven seven with linemen than... That'd be fun. ...wide receivers. And have the quarterback be another lineman? I'm not kidding. With the skills competition... Because he talks about that being cool. Remember the drone drop they had a couple years ago? They got rid of it, but the receivers had to catch the ball from the drone drop. The only problem is the skills contest takes place like during the day. They replay it at night, but it's not live. I'm surprised they're able to embargo the information as long because of all the fans they're watching. But they don't care. They don't care about that either. You remember Tyreek Hill finishing last in the race last year for fastest man? Because he didn't care. So you can't even get players to do the skills competition right. The only skills contest that I'd like to see is the chug. You know David Bactiare, the tackle for the uh, Packers, that he'll be at Bucks game and slams the beer, right? And he'll look over to Aaron Rodgers and can't do it as well. Well, Stafford saw that. Matt Stafford was in Detroit, and he just put down a pint. And then, you know, you've seen Mahomes do it at the Blues game, you know, the whole it's becoming quite the thing with quarterbacks and players, the fastest beer chug you could do. So they don't make anybody do it. Just they want to do it, enter the competition. But I'd rather see that than linemen sit around drinking water and analyzing the game. You're trying to turn the Pro Bowl into just beer fest. Get everyone drunk and just see what happens. But that might have been the dumbest thing I've ever heard from me in Port. Have the linemen sit around with water. And analyze the flag football game. I would love that, would you, if you're a lineman? You get no respect. I guess you get the free trip. You're getting the free trip to the Pro Bowl to sit there and drink water and analyze the game. So I don't know what they're gonna do. He said a flag football game may be better with some NFL starters. He, uh, Roger Goodell says the Pro Bowl game doesn't work. We need to find another way to celebrate the players. Uh, Roger Goodell explaining a thought process. Remember when they did did the Madden tournament a few years ago when the uh, pandemic was going on?
4: Yeah. But didn't they only get like four players involved in that?
3: Yeah. I mean, you're not getting all the players involved in it. That's
4: not, that's not any fun.
3: Unless you want to name the Pro Bowl and give them incentive, give the extra money for them to do it. Just go out there, have a big autograph session, whatever you want, do NFL parties, um, there is a way to do it besides having a game, but not just like being on the field. Maybe I guess if they did skills contest, make that the big event because now it's like during the day or whatever, just make that the big event, but you can't get guys. Cause I remember Robert Edwards. You probably don't know the name Robert Edwards. He was a running back with like a thousand yards a rookie for the Patriots. And he was in the pro bowl at like a sand football contest. He tore his knee up and was never the same running back. So injury is always a risk. Another thing you probably don't remember is wide world of sports. When they did challenges, they'd have like the 77 Royals go against like the 77 Cowboys and they do like tug of war. They do the rowing contest and stuff. That was actually pretty fun, but you're not going to get guys to do that with the contracts that we currently have. You're not going to get them to do that. So the only way you can do it is, and not only that it's kind of dumb because they move it before the Super bowl. It used to be after the Super bowl So all the guys that are in the Super Bowl can't play in the Pro Bowl. And let's face it, if you're in the Super Bowl, you're damn good. And you deserve to be there, at least deserve the recognition of being there. Now they're considered Pro Bowlers or whatever because they made the game or whatever. All pro means more than Pro Bowl anyway. We know that. But what competitions would you do? Because the game is becoming a classified joke. It really is. Even the players make fun of it. Nobody wants to hit. A few guys do, like a few heroes out there. You know, want to make the big hit and do things like that, but the majority of them don't. But don't watch it all if you expect football because it's it's not football whatsoever. But every year, someone will get on Twitter and say, oh, my God, and they'll do it this year too if, if they play it. Oh, this sucks. Why do they do this? Why are you watching it? Why are you watching and comment on it? Because you're falling right into their hands. 6.7 million viewers watch this, as I said, which is the same as watch game two of the Warriors of – and, uh, and Mavericks. To be honest with you, it's behind. I still like the MLB All-Star game, number one, even though they took something riding out about the game. I think the NHL All-Star game, the way the divisions going at each other, would be number two. In the skills contest, the NHL is great. I don't know if you ever sat there and watched that the night before. It's like fastest skater, hardest slap shot. Stuff like that. And a lot of the stars of the game actually compete in this. You know, So it's it's actually quite a bit of fun. NBA, you know, they don't play defense or whatever, but it's still a better All-Star game in the NFL. And then the NFL is last, even though it's the most popular sport. But the, what they bank on is people watching it, and they do. Just like they watch the schedule release. You start trickling games out. Well, the first one for the Chiefs and Chargers on draft day, you trickled out. There, it's going to be the Chiefs and Chargers first Thursday night game. Then on May 4th, it trickled out who the international games were going to be. And then the next week, you had each different morning show on NBC, Fox, CBS, the rest of them announced one game. And then May 12th was the big schedule release. But they did it twice because at 5 o'clock, teams notified who their first home game was going to be. And then two hours later, they did the rest of the schedule. But you know what people watched? People watched the combine. They watched guys run the 40-yard dash in their spandex. They watch that stuff because they put it on prime. So they realize, okay, we'll do anything because people will watch this. But the Pro Bowl is their worst event. But it does draw people, which creates the dilemma because people are watching it. If nobody watched it, they would have to do something because that's the ultimate telltale. If they were drawing 2 million fans, they wouldn't do it. They'd find another way to do something. But they have to understand the way contracts are. Player safety, because now you have the 17th game. So you got to throw player safety involved into the Pro Bowl. But I don't know. Seven-on-seven would be fun. I always like when the regular seven-on-seven guys take on the NFL seven-on-seven because they know where each other are. They're used to playing with each other. And I've seen those teams beat teams, you know, maybe your Jerry Rices and and Brett Favre's and stuff like that because they play with each other every day. They know each other well, and I've seen them beat those guys. Remember back in the day it used to be the NFL versus the college All-Stars? Of course you don't, but it was in the early 70s. Ten penny, But they used to do it. They used to do it.
4: Thought we were in another 30-for-30 30 30 situation where I just completely missed something I was supposed
3: to know. So glad to know it was in the 70s. <laughs> <laughs> 913-576-7610. The Jay and Tow Service text line. What would you do with the Pro Bowl? From the 816, I enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl that Sean Taylor played in. Yeah, because he wanted to hit somebody. I mean, he went out and uh, won the crush. Didn't he crush Brian Mormon in that game? The punter from Buffalo who went to Pitt State. I think he crushed him in that game. 9 they should play a softball game. Maybe they don't hit. Beer Olympics seems to be a pretty popular one. Eating contest for linemen. What about game shows? Get Aaron Rodgers hosting the NFL Jeopardy? That might be interesting. That might be fun. Have AFC versus NFC. Family feud. I don't know. Mix yeah. it up. AFC versus NFC. Just do a series of those things. Bowling. The beer chugging. Yeah, the uh, the food eating contest would be cool. You put wings in front of these guys. AFC versus NFC again. I mean, there is ways to make it rather entertaining. Maybe have them take on Joey Chestnut as a group. Like have Joey take on like five of them. Do you imagine Chestnut out eating
4: like five NFL offensive linemen?
3: Well, well they've had like, I remember when Kobayashi was a TV special once, went against the bear. Like, hot dog eating contest against the bear. He was destroyed. The bear just, you know, killed him in the hot dog eating contest. Seriously. I mean, that bear just rolled right through it. And Kobayashi was trying, but Joey Chestnut versus four players. But anyway, 913 576 7610 is the phone number. We come back. We'll take a look at the. Tyreek Hill defending Tua streak next.
2: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio.
0: Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way.
3: Welcome back to Big Unite, Jay Binkley, Christopher Tenpenny. We had some good ideas rolling through on the Jay and Toast Service text line that I kind of like some of them. <laughs> 816, would a pro bowler split 100 million? <laughs> now you're talking. Now you're talking. How about American Gladiators, NFC versus AFC? So we have a Gladiator style. Can you see them fighting with the batons and stuff or fighting with the on the top? Uh, John from Lee Summit says from the 913 do a seven on seven division tournament, AFC North versus NFC North, things like that, because that's what hockey does with the different divisions. Like hockey will take will take it and they'll go Metropolitan, Atlantic, Pacific, and Central three on three tournament, and it do two games, two games and a championship game. So you take the deals, okay? I, that would be okay. AFC West, you know, versus NFC West, and all that. Just do a little bit of a tournament for seven on seven. Now we're talking. The only thing I wouldn't do though is have the linemen sit around and drink water. I think that's where they're dumb. Let's go to Dave, who says he's out on 435. What's up, Dave?
1: Hey, guys. I uh, appreciate y'all taking my call for this Pro Bowl idea. Um, I, I don't know if ESPN is still doing it, but they used to do the SB awards or whatnot.
3: I think they I think still they do, do that.
1: Oh, that's cool, man. I, I mean, why not combine a Pro Bowl with the ESPYs and kind of come up with, like, an NFL Oscars, you know, where uh, <laughs> people submit their best highlights of the year and... You know, for example, uh, Q- QB of the year, uh, NFC, whatever. Here's the clip,
5: and here's the votes, and here's the winner.
3: Well, I they already do matters. that at the Super Bowl kind of because that's what they do, like the MVP and stuff like that. And they kind of have an award show <clears throat> right before the night of the Super Bowl. It's the Saturday before the Super Bowl. They kind of do an award show. But uh would you like to see gladiators-style <laughs> fighting? Yeah. Uh. Only if we could bring back some of the some of the women from that 90s show man how about put a live lion in there with them holy cow <laughs> <Just> <laughs> right. don't throw our lion that'd be great <laughs> but, but answer me this Dave do you watch the game is the Super Bowl or the Pro Bowl Pro Bowl oh no no
1: no I learned uh I learned that they're not actually playing back in like 99 okay
3: so see so see so you already got onto to it and you're like okay I got better things to do <laughs> but here's the thing though here's the thing though Dave and People like to see the Chiefs. If the Chiefs are playing, they want to watch it. I'm telling you, if Mahomes is in the game, people watch it. People would literally watch if Mahomes brushed his teeth. They'd watch, you know, a five-minute video every day of Mahomes brushing his teeth. Honestly, they would. That's why I'm saying we don't need to do football-related stuff.
4: We can do the, the game shows or the Gladiator or Royal Rumble or whatever you want to do. We can do it. People will watch because they just want to see their favorite NFL players doing the, something.
3: The John from Lee Summit, though, this, this, quite, this is pretty good. I mean, it would take a while, but you don't have to play that long of games. But the AFC North versus NFC North, AFC West versus NFC West, you do a round-robin-style tournament. I mean, you'd have to cut it down to, like, a quarter each or something like that because you wouldn't want these guys playing all that much and the risk of injury. But that's kind of fun. But you wouldn't have quarterbacks for all the different divisions. That's the thing, because I don't think. But they'd have to just draft it differently. You'd have to do the Pro Bowl differently as far as the draft to the game, but you'd still name Pro Bowlers. Like, your punter and kickers wouldn't have anything to do. Not that any of us care. But then the linemen, what are they going to do? That's where you have the chug-off, man, or the eating contest. And it counts for points. See, now the kickers and punters,
4: I can get behind commentary, because they're all weird dudes. So I bet they'd be real good at commentating with water. Now, obviously, liquor and butter, but, like, you know what I'm saying? They could much better
3: than the linemen doing it. But, see, you could do kicking competitions. Like, that's something very easy. You go out and see it has the farthest kick. It's that simple. Because they, they're facing no pressure, whatever. You move it back 65 yards, 66, whatever, until someone misses. But guys can kick field goals farther when no one's chasing them.
4: Or they play tic-tac-toe where they have to kick it into <laughs> That's on Colin. I'm going to throw him under the bus. He recommended that
3: one. The quarterback thing is cool. And they have to, they have to throw things against, you know, and, and break off the thing. The quarterback challenge is fun. But if you go back and watch, like, skills contests, because once in a while they'll show them on ESPN or NFL Network, back from the 90s, all the stars were there. Like, all the stars were there. They were competing in the skills contest. Had them all. You know, Far, Manning, Elway, didn't, not, no, not Manning, but Elway, Far. I mean, all the, Steve Young, all the stars competed in it. So I don't know what they could do, but I am curious what they're going to do because you know what? Everything they do turns to gold. So I'm curious when they put their thinking hats on this one. Well, let's not forget, they did a draft from Roger Goodell's basement and people said it was going to not going to work and it was stupid. Even people inside the league did that. And then it turned out to be one of the most popular drafts ever because it showed, like, GM's kids running up to him in the middle of the draft and Belichick's dog sitting in his seat. You know what they are in the draft. So that turned out to be kind of funny. There's a lot of concepts in that that work, but they all said they were crazy doing it, and they did it. And he embraced the booing. Like, he's embraced that. So it's not as fun. Like, Gary Bettman, the NHL commissioner, gets booed everywhere he goes. But Roger Goodell still gets booed, but now it's more fun. Which I still contend he should change his name to Boo Goodell. Like officially change his name. So if they're just saying his name. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, I think there's I think there's a way. The gladiator style thing's fun, though. Because you, you can have some linebackers and that, some wide receivers or whatever. Can you imagine them running up that track thing? Going against each other. Trying to get to the end first.
4: I like a field day. How about that? You got all the fun little field events, like chucking your shoe as far as you can, all the things we did as kids. Make your NFL players do
3: that. Well, what's that game? Holy moly, We got to run across the water and those little things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would be fun. <laughs> See, there's some things You're probably we can not going to get hurt doing that. Right, exactly. But laser tag. Laser AFC versus NFC and laser tag. I get behind laser tag.
4: I'll get behind just about anything than what we're doing right now or linemen
3: drinking water talking about it. 816, cornhole, billiards, ping pong, and darts. So, eh, again, there's going to be a lot of ideas. They don't need to submit this to the public. They need to submit it to the public, let them vote on it, what they would watch. Because after all, that is the consumer. Those are the ones that are going to be watching everything. Coming up next, that's not the only thing the NFL is discussing. Plus, Tyree Kill and Tua. And why does he keep defending him next?
2: This is Bink at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs 610 Sports Radio. Football. Energy drinks. Beer.
3: More football. Welcome to Bink at Night. 7 o'clock hour. Bake at night, JB Inkle, Christopher Tenpen, and Colin in here as well. Josh Vernier takes over at 7:30 for the on deck show. Royals in the Diamondbacks going at it again. Royals all-time 13 and 15 against the Diamondbacks. Could have been evened up. Although they're better at Chase Field than they are at Kaufman against the Diamondbacks. Zach Gallen versus Jonathan Heasley. Which, what am I calling? What am I calling? Because last night I was Mr. Negative. Because I wasn't buying the three home runs in the first. Just wasn't doing it. But tonight, I'm going to go with Denny Mantis a couple years ago, expect the unexpected. That gallon's off to a hell of a start. And by the way, you guys are killing it uh, with your ideas on the Pro Bowl. I'll get to more of those in just a little bit. Jay Southland, tow Service, text line 913-576-7610. That's all you have to do. Put that number in, and you can text right in. Before we get into the uh, combine and where they decided uh, to uh, put it the next couple of years, this whole Tyree kill and Tua thing, did you ever see the tweet from the Dolphins on Tua throwing the ball and, like, Tyree kill waiting on it? And, like, they put it out from their official account. Then Tyree kill defends it with other videos that they did because that was the question about Tua. Tua's arm strength. Did you take the money Or do you really want to go play for Tua? Because Michael Irvin just said, be careful what you wish for when you're leaving Mahomes. But it seems to me like Tyreek Hill is on this Tua defense tour. This was uh, Tyreek today at OTAs. It's so weird hearing from him as a Dolphin.
1: I just feel like football is all about confidence, you know? And um, I'm very confident in my quarterback, you know? So I just feel like, you know, if I'm able to, like, help him get all the confidence in the world, and push other guys to push that confidence into them. and then the sky's the living for the guy, you know, because he's a heck of a talent, you know, has crazy arm, arm strength, arm talent, you know. So, like I said,
5: man, we're all excited, you know, just to watch him sling the ball each and every day, you know.
3: I mean, they've got a good roster, and they're getting everybody there. I and mean, they didn't really hit for agency hard. Melvin Ingram, after all, you know, signed there as well. Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, they are competent wide receivers, right? But you rarely hear players defend the quarterback as much as they're doing Tua. It's almost getting to the point of silliness. Now listen to this, because it gets even better for Tyree Kill on Tua.
5: Tua, what do you think of the way the ball comes from into uh, that you
3: have for a little bit here i mean it's nothing it's nothing weird you know at
1: first i thought it was going to be something crazy the ball going all over the place but Tua, what do you
5: think of the way the ball comes from into uh now that you've exchanged for a little
1: bit here i mean it's nothing it's nothing weird you
3: know at first i thought it was going to be something crazy the ball going all over the place but he says at first that the ball is going to be going all over the place. That was his preconceived notion. His preconceived notion is I get down here. I thought the ball was going to be going on all over the place, which so shows you, you signed for money, which I can't blame him. But that's, that's what the truth is. But
1: Tua actually has, you know, probably one of the prettiest balls I've ever caught in my life. So um, it's, it's very catchable. I don't want to concede it because the more I talk, the more it sounds weird. So
3: it, Tua is a, is a very accurate quarterback. That's all I'm going to say. So, you've caught balls in the NFL from two guys Mahomes. Well, I guess Alex Smith. Throw Alex Smith in there, too. Well, actually, you don't know, throw a decent ball. So, Alex Smith, Patrick Mahomes, and Tua. So, maybe you're saying is better than Alex Smith because you're not saying he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Like, you're not saying that. But he did say he had a notion, you know, when he went down there that the ball is going to be all over the place. So, did he believe in him or not? Which is funny because Justin Herbert was taken right after Tua. Can you imagine Herbert with the Dolphins? Because they've been on the doorstep of the playoffs the last couple years. Herbert might have put him over it. Might have put him over it.
4: My thing is then we wouldn't have to hear about the Chargers as much if Tua was on the Chargers instead. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you'd
3: hear a hell of a lot of the Dolphins. Yeah, you would. You would. I still think Tom Brady ends up there. I do think he ends up there next year. I do. Remember when he was supposedly going to buy part of that team and was going to be one of the investors for Stephen Ross? Because Stephen Ross is a big Michigan booster, right? You remember hearing about all the secret meeting of the yacht and all that? I would not be surprised if he ended up there. Tom, I think what's part of that F1 uh, ownership stake? Because if he owns part of the Dolphins, did you know they made more money on the F1 race than they did all home games last year the Dolphins? Have you watched the Dolphins lately? I believe it. But they've been right there, man. But then the story about them wanting the tank, <laughs> come on, man. Well, the scouting combine was up for bid like the draft is. And it's the first time the combine's been put up for a bid. process of the NFL is used for the Super Bowl and the NFL draft. Proposals were due for this back in April. And Indianapolis, surprise, surprise, was awarded it for 2023 and 24. Where it's not moving, it's staying right where it is, which is good because they talk about where the medicals are and stuff like that. They don't have to walk outside, it's all indoors and the same way. But sometimes things are just meant to be where they're meant to be. Listen, I'd all mean, I guess if they said they're going to move the combine around, I'd be all for it. But, you know, we're in a city that's getting a draft. So I can't complain too much about it because the draft's going to bring in more players or more fans. Than what the combine is. But Indy, it belongs there. When I think of College World Series, I think of Omaha. When I think of Combine, I think of that. Now you might say, well, why don't you think of uh, the NFL draft in New York? Well, it made sense to move that around. But if it's easier in all the teams, medical personnel, you name it, like Indianapolis for the combine, so be it. I'm glad Indy got it. Again, I would rather stuff like this be in cities that don't get the Super Bowl. I mean, the Combine would be cool, but the problem with it is it's a different track everywhere you go. It's different spacing. And then what if if a city screws it up? You can't screw the Combine up. But Indianapolis is a city built for this. Dallas and L.A. were the other cities that submitted bids to host the Combine. Shocker. Shocker that Dallas and L.A. would be in the mix for that. Who gets Super Bowls and who have already gotten the draft in Dallas – and I'm sure the draft at some point will be in L.A. is where they'll end up going. It, But the Indianapolis has hosted the Combine since 1987. So it has been a staple in Indy since then. But 23 and 24 was up for bid, but they decided to keep it in Indianapolis. I'm okay with that. Like, I, I'm okay with that. I guess considering me a traditionalist in some respects. Like, when I think of Combine, I think of Indy. Nice central location. Well, not completely central. Central would be here, but we got the draft, so I can't complain about it because drafts come to Kansas City, and I'd rather have the draft than the combine.
4: Yeah, and like I don't watch a ton of the combine, but it's not like a in person spectacle as big of a deal being there in person like the draft is. So I mean, other than your city hosting it, and sure you can bring people in, but like it's not it's not that spectacle that the draft is.
3: Now it brings in more money to host the draft, hundred percent, but. Studies showed the 2022 combine generated an estimated 9.6 million in economic impact for the city. So of course they don't want to lose the combine. Of course they don't want to lose it. They, they've even thought about regionalizing this thing, like having some of the West coast and the East coast or whatever. But I like it here because it's the same track every year, the same guys running on the same stuff, the same surface. So you get pure numbers because One thing we know is Pro Day numbers are different than Combine, wherever you go. But at least this keeps everybody on the same track year in and year out. Now, they may change the playing surface, so the numbers change, but people are doing it on an even playing field. And I just think they get it right. So why tinker with something that they get it right? Like the draft, you can host anywhere. But the Combine's easier for them there because the medicals and everything else that they have. They're just used to going to Indy and doing it. But the draft, you can go everywhere because your brain trust is then – their home cities, like Andy Reid and Brett Veach aren't at the draft. You know, they've talked about it. Clark Hunt's talked about renting a room, you know, down there near towards uh, where the draft is and everything, just for something fun to have the Chiefs. Like we saw the Rams rent a house and, and things like that to host the combine. But I don't know. I I just assume it's staying in Indianapolis. I wouldn't want it to move, but that, that's me. That's me. That's what I would do. I'd keep the combine where it's at. Also, Pro Football Focus just put out its list of uh, top receivers. They put them in tiers. And the one thing I noticed about this is they their elite tier, Devontae Adams, which, by the way, we talked about last night because Travis Kelsey has more yardage than Devontae Adams since 2016 as a tight end. Cooper Cup, they're calling the number two receiver in the NFL. DeAndre Hopkins, number three. Stephon Diggs, number four. Tyree Kill, number five. Jamar Chase, number six. Justin Jefferson, seven. Mike Evans, eight. That's bad. What would you do?
4: I mean, Tyreek Hill needs to be at least three. I can, I can at least three. No debates. And Justin Jefferson, yeah, Jamar Chase was awesome last year.
3: I think he's past Hopkins.
4: Yeah, Justin Jefferson's done it twice. Hopkins can't stay healthy. He's dropped.
3: Cooper is a great receiver, but I take Tyreek Hill instead.
4: Same, same. But I can hear that. They both have a ring. Listen to an argument on why Cooper Cup is higher right now, even though I wouldn't do it. But you can't put Jamar Chase over Jefferson yet. Jefferson's done it for two years.
3: Tier 2, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, Terry McLaurin. Okay, Tier 3, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones. I'm surprised Julio Jones is in here because he's a free agent. Then Odell Beckham, a hurt free agent as well. And then not elite, but high-quality pass catchers, Amari Cooper, Tyler Lockett, Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams is uh, getting some shade on here. I'd put him a lot higher. DJ Moore, Brandon Cooks, Hunter Renfro, Tyler Boyd, Cortland Sutton. Up and comers, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, Darnell Mooney. What's the one thing you didn't see? You didn't see a Chiefs wide receiver. You want to, but Tyreek Hill's gone. Like when you see this list, you think, okay, they're putting a lot, you got to put a lot of hope in Sky Moore being on this list eventually. He's an up and comer. Or have Juju have a resident erection year so he's on here. Because if you have a great quarterback, you do need great wide receivers. And I know the adage is quarterbacks can make receivers around them, which is true. Patrick Mahomes in that last 17th game of the year, his first start in, in Denver back then, he he put up some serious numbers with Albert Wilson. He parlayed it into a huge contract with Miami. Then he's on the milk cart, like he disappeared. And listen, Peyton Manning, Brandon Stokely, Jacob Tamme, guys like that became stars. But, 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 he had Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison. Joe Montana had John Taylor, Jerry Rice. Dan Marino had Duper and Clayton. You know, you look at the uh, great receivers Manning had, even when he went to Denver. Like, you've got to have some stars at wide receiver. So it's one area you see with the Chiefs. You know, they did, you know, draft Sky Moore this year, and hopefully he can be that guy. But if you're going to have an elite quarterback, an elite passing offense, Eventually, you've got to have a receiver show up on one of these lists.
4: Just in my opinion, do you? As long when you have Travis Kelsey, who's just a wide receiver that plays tight end,
3: he should he should <laughs> he should have been put in here. Yeah, because they should have done it as pass catchers. They hundred percent should have done it as pass catchers with this. But yeah, this should, but he's going to be retiring soon. But it shows. But again, you think of the great quarterbacks; they had great receivers. You know, Jim Kelly, Andre Reid, I mean, they had receivers. Yeah, look at the Bills now, it's Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. There's nothing wrong with having, he had Tyreek Hill, now he has Travis Kelsey, but he had both of them here last year. That's why Sky Moore, there's so much, you know, hype on Sky Moore Is a reason for it. He's got to step up and be that guy. Unless Juju's going to have that year, but he's on a one-year contract and Juju's want to get paid next year. So that's that situation. We've got about 15 or so minutes or so before we hand the baton over to Josh Vernier for the on-deck show with the Royals and Arizona Diamondbacks. but Coming up next, Denny Matthews, the Hall of Fame and the legend, gave his thoughts on the Royals. Next.
2: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
3: Welcome back to Bank at Night. Jay Binkley, Christopher Tenpenny. Zach Gallon, of the Diamondbacks versus Jonathan Heasley tonight for the Kansas City Royals that coming up here. At uh, 840, 8 40, Josh Vernier joins you at 7 30 for that A little late night baseball. I don't mind West Coast games actually. Look I don't I know you do to because you're here, but there's nothing wrong with sitting there at midnight and still catching the end of the Royals game if they win.
4: Growing up they were my favorite. It's just
3: now I'm West Coast games? Yeah I loved it. Well, usually if you have young kids, it's perfect. You get him in the bed and all that, they can sit down, chill, watch baseball. It's not like during it. So I've always been a fan of uh, West Coast baseball. Coming in as a as a fan of that, except for you and Vern that are here all night during that. That you know, but you've had all day to sleep. Except for you, because you're working on this show as well. So I kind of feel bad for you as well. Denny Matthews, the Hall of Famer, had some interesting things to say as well. We heard JJ Piccolo already his thoughts on the uh, 40 games uh, that the Royals have passed that quarter pole mark uh, this week. And uh, Denny Matthews coming on the same thing. He joins Carrington Harrison each and every week. This was his takeaway on the first 40 games.
6: Well, I look for the improvement, the development of the young players
5: and pitchers, position
6: and, and pitchers, and some have been very good. Some not quite as fast. Everybody has their own timetable. The uh, the starting pitching has been a disappointment. The bullpen, for the most part, has been pretty good. Uh, the game Sunday and and last night, notwithstanding, uh, the bullpen really has, has been okay. Uh, not disappointed than that. I think the offense has obviously been inconsistent from time to time, but there's some young players sprinkled into that starting lineup and they are going to be inconsistent early in their careers and they'll become more consistent as, as time goes on. And I'm talking about uh, guys like Melendez and Witt and so on. Uh, they're going ge- to they're going to keep getting better. And if they don't, we're in big trouble, but uh, yeah, they're, they're very good and they're going to be better.
3: So it's Denny Matthews uh, notes on the first 40 games or game 42 tonight with the Royals and Diamondbacks, game two of their nine-game uh, road trip. Then he also talked about how do you not look the last two, the last two losses. Again, the Royals have lost two in a row, and not just lost two in a row, but it's the fashion in which they lost these two in a row. They blew uh, four-run leads uh, in back-to-back games for the first time since June 10th and 11th, 2008. So the last time they uh, lost two uh, four-plus run games, so it's been a minute. But how do you uh, not let two losses turn into eight or nine?
6: A solid start from a pitcher. Uh, the stopper, remember they used to call the guy that would uh, come in and pitch very well after a four- or five-game losing streak and stop the losing streak. And we thought maybe Grinke would be the guy last night, but it didn't work out that way. That was kind of disappointing because Zach obviously has – the credentials he has, the experience, but uh, it didn't work, and uh, so yeah, you need uh, you need your starting pitchers to to get together and and really give your offense a chance to to win the game for you. And again, I always go back to our defense, Carrington, because all the darn walks that have popped up and really hurt the team, and walking people with. In my opinion, one of the two best defenses in all of baseball behind you, walking people, there's no defense against the walk. Your infielders and outfielders are standing there watching the, the pitcher give out a free ticket to base runners, and it's always, obviously, more difficult to play defense with runners on base than when the bases are clean. So that's the thing that's, that's been disappointing, too, the number of walks, and especially leadoff walks, and walks, well, any time is a bad time for a walk. But uh, two out walks, leadoff walks have really hurt the team. And uh, that's been a disappointment.
3: And Diddy's 100% true. KC with five walks issued last night, moving its record to 2-15 and 15 when walking five or more hitters. Now, I do find this interesting, and so might you, Christopher Tenpenny. It's what do you do with Carlos Santana? Yes, the Hall of Famer, a guy that's been here since every second. What would he do with Carlos Santana? Well, here's your answer.
6: Well, Santana from about midway through the season last year to present has really struggled offensively, especially from the left side, and he's going to be up there left-handed a lot more than right-handed. I wouldn't mind, and I said it, Maybe on the air, maybe not. I don't remember. But I said with Dozier at first, I think I think Hunter Dozier could turn into a really—he's a good athlete, so he could be a really good defensive first baseman. And I would compare him in that regard to Paul Goldschmidt of the Cardinals, who's a Gold Glove first baseman. I'm comparing him because they're both good athletes. Now, to get to where Goldschmidt is now, Hunter Dozier would have to go through two or three seasons of playing first base exclusively and keep getting better and better. Would he do that? Who knows? But I think it's a decent comparison. I wouldn't feel bad at all about putting Hunter Dozier at first base and just leaving him there.
3: So there's your answer from Denny. He'd put Hunter Dozier at first. He's been first in right field, those type of things. Vinny Pascantino would be my answer by midsummer. That would be my answer. Unless Hunter can keep things up or keep improving or whatever, you got to figure something to do. But Vinny Pascantino would be one of those guys. And last but not least, Vinny Matthews' thoughts on Brady Singer's last two starts.
6: Well, I think it's a mental and physical improvement for him. And going down to AAA for the brief time he was down there, I think really turned on a couple of lights for him. Everybody keeps talking about how he has implemented his change-up, which has really helped him. He was a little bit reluctant about the pitch. He wasn't totally confident in it. He was basically fastball slider, found the strike zone. He wasn't working as quickly as he is now. He's right on top of things, and the and the change-up has turned into a great weapon for him. And a starting pitcher really has to have three, some, some of them four, quality pitches. And, Brady was working with two. Now, that's fine for a relief pitcher who a hitter is only going to see once and maybe he's going to get three outs and he's out of the game. But a starting pitcher, and you want him to get into the – I like the starters to get into the seventh inning every time because if you only go five innings as a starter, you're talking about three, four, five guys coming out of the bullpen, one of which maybe doesn't have his best day or night.
3: So there you go, Denny Matthews on thoughts of Brady Singer. Don't forget, Josh Furnier on deck show coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Royals and Diamondbacks, game two from the desert. See you guys.
2: This is Bank at Night on your home for Royals baseball and the official broadcast partner of the Kansas City Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.